Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this Mother's Day. We're so excited to be able to share a little bit of our stories with you and just have a conversation. What does motherhood look like? How does it impact us and what kind of just resonates in our hearts? I know for me, um, Mother's Day was a day that was often really painful at the beginning. Um, When my husband and I were first married, we ended up getting pregnant and we lost that baby. And then we got pregnant again and we lost that baby. And then we got pregnant again and we lost that baby. And at that point they said to us, you know, you might get pregnant, but you might not actually be able to ever carry a baby to term. And that was really hard for me. I really wrestled with each loss, but then also thinking, like, I feel like I'm supposed to be a mom. And I was already anti-Tanisha to so many people's kids that I was just ready and excited for that to happen for me. So then when we got pregnant with for the fourth time, um, there was a part of me that was just apprehensive and just wondering, like, is this actually going to happen? And we went to that ultrasound, and I was like, guarded and we found out that everything was perfect and all of the medical issues that um that had previously been an issue were just gone and they were like what are you talking about like this this looks like a great pregnancy and after that we very quickly had uh three kids in three years and so like god knew what was up with that um But then shortly after our last one, shortly after our girls, we got pregnant for, um, I guess it would technically be a seventh time, but with our fourth baby. And things just went sideways. We had, um, we'd gone for an ultrasound in the first trimester and they, they said, hey, there's something up with his bladder. This is like an enlarged bladder. Um, And the likelihood of him living or living very long isn't, isn't likely. And so all of a sudden we were hit with um, genetic counselors and seeing the best specialists in Alberta and wondering like, is this gonna last and is this gonna work? And I think because I'd already had three healthy babies, I was like, I've already been through this pain. Like, you can't take this away from me. Like, and I was really hurt about it and really struggling with it. And they started to say like, well, your, your baby might have these health challenges or these health challenges. And I was so, angry. And I remember one day um, I was at the gym and I came home and Joel had been listening to like the Bible app and he he turned it off. And I didn't think much of it at the time. Um, But that morning we were driving for an ultrasound and he he said something like, hey, I really want to tell you something, but I don't know if you want to hear it. And I was like, yeah, then I probably don't. (laughs) Um... And he said to me, he's like, hey, this morning, um, I've been working through this devotional. And in the devotional that came up this morning was the story of Abraham and Isaac. And, And Isaac saying, or Abraham having to trust God with Isaac. And he's like, I feel like God is telling us, like, do you trust me with your baby? And do you trust me with your son? And I was so mad. I was like, how dare you say that to me? Um... Like, I don't, I don't want to go there. Like, that's good for you and God. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's what I want God to say to me. (laughs) That's good for you. I'm not sure if that's good for, for him to say to me. And we got to the ultrasound that day and they said, Hey, it looks like things actually might be getting better. And I slept for like six hours in the middle of the day. 
I, I don't think I realized how much I was carrying that, but it wasn't for certain yet. And so I was still kind of on eggshells wondering like, do I get to keep this baby? And then there was a quote by Lisa Turkhurst that I heard. Um, and she said, each of my children have a calling to reveal elements of the kingdom of heaven. And I just realized that God had given me this baby and he'd given me three other babies, but it wasn't my call to make on how long I get to hold on to those babies. But it is my call on what I speak over them, how I advocate for them, how I show up at those doctor's appointments and, and reflect things. And I realized that whether my baby was going to um, be with me just inside of me or, or longer than that, that I wanted to be able to have more of a legacy for them. We ended up getting a phone call um, from our midwife a few weeks after that. And she was like, okay, are you ready for this? And she was like, okay, there is nothing wrong with your baby. A hundred percent, nothing wrong. And it's a boy. So after our three girls, it was a boy. And Joel, Joel might have known some things. But there's a verse. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll just keep going, right? <laughs> he might have known some things. Um, but there's a verse in Proverbs that says that the tongue has the power to speak life and death. Yeah. And I think just remembering for me and what I would want to just encourage any other mom is that no matter what the circumstances, our God is still faithful, yeah. right? No matter what our answers are, God is still faithful. But we can, we can change the narrative simply in how we, how we speak about it. Yeah. And that was something that, that just resonated with me through those challenges. Yeah. So good. Um, I know like that really resonates with me and I love your vulnerability in having this conversation because I bo I, both of my pregnancies were also high-risk mm -hmm. pregnancies and with Madison, who is our first, who's now 15, um, we had some early complications and then we had complications all the way through the pregnancy, um, even to well towards the end, we ended up having an emergency C-section and it was just... Yeah, it was a really it was a really difficult time, and I remember being a first first mom. You're like going through your prenatal classes, and you're like expecting all this like beautiful outcome. And I was like one of those people. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do like the whole like no medications, like pain free. It's gonna be super smooth. And then expectation versus reality when you're like having an emergency C-section, and your blood pressure is through the roof, and you're swelling up like crazy. And just how you internalize and wrestle with all the emotions of that expectation versus reality. And then we thought we were gonna be in the clear with the second one. And so Grayson, who's our son, he's nine now. Um, just with his, um, his pregnancy was fairly smooth, but then with the delivery side of it, it again was a C-section, but also struggling with blood pressure and that kind of thing afterwards. And then to kind of the icing on the cake was he was having we, he was having some reflex issues, and after he was born and we brought him home, there was a couple times where he stopped breathing. And we brought him into the hospital, and they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. And I'm like, well, like, like my son's not breathing, and he's, like, yeah. turning blue, and there's something wrong. And then so we had to advocate for him a fair bit on the medical side. And then finally we went in the one day, and I was like, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> until you find out what's wrong, because I'm not, I'm not sleeping and this is, what, this is what this has been like the last couple weeks. And then there was a pediatrician there that day and he was like, I know what's, what's going on, like we've seen this before, and he put him on medication and it never happened again. But how we, how we internalize all those situations and being 
going through those first seasons as a mom, like to be honest, like it wasn't, it wasn't like a joyous, wonderful time. Like the pregnancies were not like this glowing, magnificent <laughs> thing that was happening. And like you almost feel shortchanged. And like I kind of did in that mothership, a motherhood journey kind of thing. And it was like, okay, like God, why is this? Why is this happening the way it is? Like other people, like this is so easy. And like, why does this feel like this is so difficult? Um, now, I'm happy to say that our kids are older and we're past that <laughs> stage of life. <laughs> Although we have new problems now, like our daughter's gonna get her driver's license here in the next little bit. And so that's like a new level of like prayer life for like parents that have like kids that are starting to get their driver's license. That's just like a whole new level of like trust and prayer and um, yeah, trusting them with the world, right? And um, I think one of the things that we learned through the early stages of our parenting is just being super intentional with the times that you do have in between things and it's not so much about finding those perfect teachable moments but it's those everyday moments yes. it's the things that happen as you're driving your kids to school and it's the fruit that comes out of the yes. things like that and i think it's important that we remember that um like you have to intentionally invest in the harvest that you want to see you have to intentionally plant those seeds yes. to get the fruit that you want and it's the accumulation of all those little things. So we get the, the privilege of driving our kids and we commute a little bit. So it's like a 20 minute car ride to and from school. So we get 20 minutes a day where our daughter's filling us in and all the fun things that happen throughout the day and the boys and all the like friendship struggles. And we get 20 minutes as parents to talk to them about how their day went and how they're interpreting that information yeah. and even though we're like planting these seeds intentionally it's important how they understand the information because information is so readily accessible now and technology is everywhere and one of the battles we constantly fight like and our kids are in that preteen and teenager age and so we're constantly fighting this battle with technology and making sure that Alexa is not the one that's raising yes. our yes. children. Yes. Like yeah. our son has an Alexa in his room. Well, both of them have an Alexa, but our son is more of our facts guy. And so he asks Alexa everything, like everything. And so the other day, like him and his sister were kind of fighting. So I'm sorry, this is like, this is real life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're having a bit of a disagreement and he turns to Alexa and he's like, Alexa, what do I do when my sister's mean to me? I'm like, I'm serious. And then Alexa was like, call 911. I know. So it's like, we have to be super intentional about like one, where our kids go to for information, how they get that information, how they read that information. And it made me think about, when I was thinking about what we we're going to talk about, it made me think about, we live in the Okanagan, or like we lived in the Okanagan previously, and there's orchards everywhere. And when you drive by like the orchards and stuff like that, like certain times of the year, they have like netting over the orchards and over the, over the trees to protect the fruit, right? And so what we do with the words and the environments and the spaces that we create is we create a filter that they process the information through. Yes. So it's transparent, it's letting the rain, it's letting the sun, it's letting all the good mm -hmm. things in, but it's filtering out the things that don't need to be there that's that are gonna nice. destroy yeah. the immature fruit that's growing in their life. And so as parents, it's our job to protect that fruit mm -hmm. and to help provide that filter so that the good things get in, but it keeps the things like the birds out yeah. and the things that are gonna destroy that harvest that you yeah. want later and the character and the intentionality that you're building into your children. And I think it's just one thing for parents to know, it's the, that, like this, the days are long, but the seasons are short. Mm -hmm. 
and we just have to be super intentional with the time and what we do in those like in between times bedtimes like we still pray with our kids at night at 9 and 15 and we still tuck them in I'm sorry I'm like spilling everything on my daughter she's gonna be so embarrassed (laughs) but yeah we still sit on the edge of their bed at night and we still talk to them about their day and how they process the day and all the things that are kind of on their hearts and then we pray with them and our nine-year-old son prays for his little girlfriend crush and it's the cutest thing ever and like someday if they actually end up being a thing it'll be the cutest story ever to be like i was nine-year-old and praying for you yeah like it's just yeah it's adorable but like that's the fruit that you're trying to create so good. Yeah. I love that, Jen. I love how you're being intentional with speaking life over your kids yeah. with the time that you have with them as they're growing. And I remember the first time when I first had Hudson and mm-hmm. they're in that really cute baby stage. And I don't know if this has happened to you guys, but they're so cute and people are stopping you and they want to look at your baby. And then something shifts. And I don't know if it's like when they're grumpy and they have their first tooth coming in and they're screaming in the stores. But all of a sudden, people's narrative changes, and they say things like, um, just wait until they're teenagers. Um, This is going to be payback for when you were a teenager. And that never really settled well with me, having other people speaking such harsh words over my kids who can't even form a word yet. They haven't had a chance to even vocalize or speak for themselves. And people are saying things that I would never want to wish over my kids. the power of life and death is in the tongue, and we've talked about that from Proverbs. But raising teenagers, I have a 15-year-old, and then I have a 12-and-a-half-year-old because she wants you to know that she is halfway yes. to being 13. Yes. Um, it has been incredible. They are the, the coolest kids. If you ever have a chance to meet them, they are the coolest kids. Um, seeing them become who they are in front of my eyes and the changing dynamic that we have in their lives is heartbreaking but also really cool to see the things that they've learned from you Um, having a close relationship with our kids stems from being involved with them um, when they were young and loving everything when they were young from Tenley's crazy cat lady stage where she literally had five cats they all looked the same except for one um, and they would go everywhere with her Um, mommy kitty daddy kitty baby kitty no one and cola. <laughs> yeah, no one no one did not look like the rest of them. They were stuffies and they were cats from the Scholastic Book Fair and they all went everywhere. All five of them needed to come with us. Or like Hudson hopping down the street thinking he is Mario with his mustache. All of those like really cute little memories. But it's being involved in the everyday, even when sometimes they need to teach you again and again all the hockey terms so that you can also watch hockey with them and not annoy them, of course. But this builds a foundation for when they're teenagers, when they're becoming and testing everything that you've taught them. You're just being present with them. And that's what you said, Jen, you're just present when you have them in your possession. But the words you speak to them become their inner voice and their inner dialogue because you are the biggest person in their lives growing up. So your words matter. The words you speak become the house that you live in. Mm -hmm. So the words you're speaking to your kids becomes the environment and the atmosphere in your home. The words you speak over your kids become the framework of how they shape their lives.